Welcome to Corks and Cowtown, where life happens one sip at a time. With Fort Worth on our mind and a drink in our hand. Connecting our city through drinks, laughs, and real-life convos. And now, your host, your favorite champagne aunt, Robin. Well, howdy, y'all, and welcome to Corks and Cowtown. We are live at the PBR World Finals here in Fort Worth, Texas, at Dickey's Arena. And I can't even explain to y'all how excited I am for this guest because I actually just learned who she was and I am fascinated. <laughs> um, and I will be introducing you to Tiffany Davis. Hey, so, how are you doing, Rob? I'm doing so good. I'm so excited. Um, honestly, I obviously want to like dive into questions, but at the same time, I really want to share kind of who you are but I think that you're going to do the best job of explaining who is Tiffany Davis. I don't know about that. You might better take a <laughs> swing at that. It depends on who you ask what answer you could get for that. I mean, you're the celebrity. I hear you're like the award winner and stuff. I feel honored to be here. No, so we're so awesome. happy to have you here we're, today. We're gonna, you're going to make you work for your money because I don't do these podcasts very often. So. Well, oh my gosh, I'm so, so Yeah, honored. you're breaking me in. I'm so excited. Well, here, now you'll just have to come back each time. Okay, we'll do it. So it we'll you might not want me back. We've not got done yet so is there a time limit on this thing i, I mean like five ish okay i get because another so. one's come but see that's you where do the little sign like okay that's yes. enough on to the next one we've got this we, <laughs> together we will succeed okay all right so yeah um if you want let's go ahead and kind of dive in to who you are in this industry just for everyone that isn't familiar okay with who you are i mean obviously i know you're a legend but <laughs> For anyone who maybe is a first-time listener. You're making me sound old. I'm not that old. I'm no, only like you can be a legend 20s, any, right? Yes, <laughs> no, you can be a legend at any a age. I better not. I've got, that, I mean, that was my first <laughs> lie on here, so I'm not going to tell how old. But yeah, the, how I got started with the PBR was, well, I guess before the PBR, I grew up, my dad was a cowboy. He, he rode in rodeo events, was an all-around champion. Then he went on to be a stock contractor on did a rodeo company. And um, from there, and we're from North Carolina, by the way, so we're not from Texas. Okay. So this is a little different all North right, Carolina. Right. You know, in Texas, it's like everybody rodeos. Well, in North <laughs> Carolina, it was like when I grew up in school, was wearing my Wranglers. All my buddies was like, what have you got on your Wranglers? So what's that? I Some mean, old school country Wranglers was, are where oh, it's at. Well, you know, I've got them and the, the high-waisted ones I need to break out because oh, I yeah. heard they're selling on they eBay. They are. Really. Yes, do and it. I'm afraid I couldn't get my leg in them anyway, so I might as well make some money from those hey, things Hey, why nowadays. not? Why not? <laughs> so, um, anyways, my um, dad was a stock contractor, and so I kind of grew up around bucking bulls and, and bucking horses and all that type of stuff, and I barrel raced for a long time. And then there was a local horse sale on Tuesday nights. We That was the Ooh, hangout place. Okay. Everybody went to the horse sale. You wore your short shorts and your little Shania Twain cutoff shirts. Ooh, you know, that's we understand all, that language. And all the teenagers hang out there all the older people it was everybody hang out there it was the big get together on tuesday nights well there was a little cowboy riding his horses through i guess oh, I was, okay i was probably 16 and he would have been like 17 no he, he's older than me so he would have been i was 15 probably this that's sounds right because like i was 15 song. he wasn't start talking to yeah. me until i was 16 okay okay so anyways but i would always see him riding horses down there and anyways it eventually wound up we become friends and by 16 years old we were starting to be we were really good friends he actually made me a little 
billfold, you know, a leather billfold. I still have that billfold from this day from when Stop. I was 16 years old. So anyways, come to find out, I knew he rode horses at the sale barn, but what he was doing, he was riding horses for his entry fees to ride bulls. He was a bull rider at the local okay. rodeo. So I was running barrels and he was riding bulls, but I didn't even realize it until later on we went back and watched some old home videos and he would be on some of the home videos I was on. So it was kind oh of Oh my crazy. gosh, that's so cool. I just knew him from the guy at the horse sale. But then, um, as we got older, he he became a really good bull rider. He got um, drafted into college by Odessa College. So he okay. went to Odessa College and went away. And it was like, you know, I asked you to be my girlfriend, but I'm going to be going away. So, you know, did that whole guy thing about, you know, kind Very of relatable. Type Very guy. relatable. So, anyways, but we stayed friends and stayed in touch. And um, he went on to win the Collegiate World Championship in bull riding and did really good in his bull riding career. And, um, anyways... He, he made the national finals rodeo, okay. like started in 93, but they actually started there. He, he got to be buddies. Everybody likes my husband. He's a guy that <laughs> I don't think has an enemy in the world. So everybody loves my husband. You have to like me because everybody loves my husband. That's what I tell everybody because he's, he's the total package, but he, um, he, so he made the NFR in 93, and right before that, he'd got hanging out with a lot of the famous bull riders, like Cody Lambert, Tuff Heedham, okay. and Ty Murray, Michael yes. Gaffney, Cody Custer, all those guys. He'd gotten the click, and they took him in. Being a guy from North Carolina, oh my gosh. you know, there's not many he bull riders from in. North Carolina. Yeah. yeah, and they liked him, so they took him under their wing. It's nice to be liked. Well, yeah, he's very likable. You got to meet this guy. You'll like him. <laughs> so, um, he, he, um... He was the youngest founding member. When they started the PBR, they, I don't know if you've ever heard the story. If not, get somebody to tell you. It's a great story. All these guys gathered together in a motel room and said, hey, you know, we're going to all these rodeos, but bull riding is the main event everybody yeah. likes to see. We need to start our own thing and just, you know, do bull riding only. And because we're what everybody yeah. likes to come and see. So let's just do an organization with just bull riding. And that's how the PBR formed was by... These 20 guys got in this motel room one day and said, we all need, we need a thousand dollars from everybody to start this. I'm just picturing 20 guys in like a motel motel room. room. This this true story now. (laughs) And they needed a thousand dollars. Well, Jerome at the time, he was the young guy, the rookie. And that's your husband. That's my husband, Jerome Davis. He only had $500 in his bank account. And he told him, he said, hey, I've got $500 right now, but I've got a really good bull this coming weekend. Can I give you the other 500 next week? I, th- I feel sure ah, that, you know, I'm going to win some money. Okay. And they said, all right, we'll, we'll let you do that. So sure enough, he won some money and gave his other $500. And so he was started as a founding member of the PBR that way. That is kind crazy. Of I love that. Yep. And and um, we were we were kind of talking as friends. And then, but 94 is when... We actually started dating. Um, the like because were you in Texas then too, or did he come back to North Carolina? He came back to North Carolina. Okay. Yep, he came back to North Carolina, but he was gone all the time. See, yeah. back then, you like the PBRs. What's really nice about the PBRs? All these guys get to be home during the week now. Yeah, and on the weekends they get to carry their wives and family with them because they're only gone the weekends. When Jerome back in the day when he was riding, he was rodeoing and P- doing the PBR, so they were gone seven days a week. So it'd be months, oh and I was usually out to Cheyenne to see him for a little while or Calgary or something like that but he would be gone for months and then during the fall he'd usually come back to North Carolina and that's where the circuit rodeos was so we we made it work but he was gone all the time back in the day oh my gosh Um, and then in um 
So the PBR started, and Drum was a really, really good bull rider. He won the world in 1995 in the PRCA. Oh, wow. In 1996, he broke the record for the most money that a bull rider had ever won. Oh, that's um, so cool. Yeah, and run the most money that year in the PBR. And kind of a kind of neat but sad story in a ways was um, they had always determined the PBR champion by money won. Well, oh, okay. Then in 96, Drum was leading it by landslide in the money. Like halfway through the season, they said, hey, we're going to change it up. We're going to do a point system this year. So oh, that's he, when they switched to they points? They switched it to points that year. If they had left it one more year, he would have won the, the PBR in 96. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, but he was always in the top. Drum was a really good bull rider, but he never, not many people remember it because it was a short career because he got yeah. hurt in 98. And it actually here in Fort Worth is where he got hurt. But he was just, he won the world when he was 23 years old. So, um, and every year he was getting a little bit better, but he was peaking, you know, it was like he was learning stuff and he, and he was so good. But like I said, you have to go back and watch videos from the day. But yeah. he, and he was still young, still learning. And at 25 years old is when he got hurt. So he hadn't even hit And you were 23. Yet. I was correct? 23. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it was here in Fort Worth and I was out here with him, actually. I had come to this event with him. And he had a bull called Knock Em Out John. <laughs> How ironic was that? But he was known for knocking people out. And But Drum had been riding so good that year. It was March 14th. And he had, had not got thrown off but two bulls all year long. Like, you know, I know that sounds like no, not long March, but he had been to a lot of races. Yeah. How many bulls he had been on that year and only got thrown off two, which is amazing for a bull rider. Like I said, he was really hitting his peak. So I was like, oh, you know, this bull, you know, no big deal. He, he's been riding so good. Well, sure enough, John was riding him, but that bull jerked him down. His little, he had this little step thing he did that it would, like he would, I don't know, bull rider talk how to say yeah. it exactly, but he actually jerked him down and knocked him out like he'd done a, a thousand other oh, guys, wow. you know. And when it knocked him out, when Drum come off the bull, he landed on his head. Well, when he landed on his head, it was like diving to a swimming pool or diving yeah. or jumping off a 20-story building, I think the doctor said. And it broke his neck. And so he was a C6, C7, so he's paralyzed from the chest down to this day. And that was at 25 years old. And I guess that was 24 years ago, I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. That was 998. the years. I, I don't even keep up with my years and dates anymore. That's it's very relatable. Like, I quit counting birthdays and all that stuff. But <laughs> well, so whenever I was reading up on you, that was one of the things that really struck out to me is because the doctors were basically telling you that they didn't think you would yeah. stick around. They wouldn't even speak to me. It was kind of funny because the one doctor come out, he's telling, you know, all the bad yeah. news. And we're... We're so dumb. We're thinking, oh, they can do a surgery and fix this. You know, we, we're not taking this in. We're not accepting Well, you were this. young. Yeah, 23. And, yes. Well, and he was 25, and we'd never been through anything like this. Well, so when the doctor's coming out, you know, he's, you know, explaining all this, and Drum's mom and dad was standing there, and she introduced me to the doctor. She said, and, and this is Drum's fiance, um, and because we were engaged at that point. Yeah. And, and, um, we were actually, and we were supposed to have got married in May. That happened in March. We were supposed to have got married in May, but oh we, were, we, we had it planned out, had the wedding dress and everything. We were going to do it on a Wednesday so we could make the rodeo in Kentucky that weekend. So, yes. but nobody knew that. But anyway, so we were supposed to have got married in May. Well, she looked at the doctor and introduced me and the doctor looked, didn't even look at me, looked at me and then turned to her and said, only 10% of those stay, if that and never looked at me again. So, when like, didn't even thing. acknowledge, like, your presence. No, really, Or, no, like, you as a no, person. No, it was, and I guess, and I guess that's true in a lot of situations. So, he was just, you know, doctors have to be cut and dry. But I was like, 
you don't know me. You don't know my husband yeah. or my fiance, you know, and stuff. So it was pretty, like, never would look at me again. And so it was one of those things where it's like. Did that, like, discourage you at all, though? Or did it, like, kind of drive you in to be like, you just wait and see? Yeah, I, that was it. More you wait and see. Because we yeah. were always doing things people said that we couldn't do and, and stuff like that. You know, like, he, he was a bull rider from the East Coast. For him to win the world was He's the first guy you yeah. see Mississippi to win the world. So we always doing things that people doubted us on anyway. Yeah, so. kind of like the odds were like stacked yes, against you from uh, the yep. start. And then it was and just so, like, watch us overcome. But if you knew Jerome, and the doctor didn't know his personality, if you knew how his personality was, you wouldn't have even probably thought that. Like, yeah. he was a keeper. He was one of them guys that like, you know... And, and I was so worried it was going to change his personality because he's always got a smile on his face and a happy grin. And that was what I was really concerned me. I thought, man, I hope this doesn't steal his soul, you know, yeah. from him and stuff. But he, he overcame it. He's Like I said, he's the guy everybody wants to hang around. He puts everybody in a better mood. Oh, I love so, that. Yeah. Well, I know that one of the things that I think you um, had done in another article is I want to say um, you said something along the lines of, or maybe you were just quoted for it, is there something about reaching a breaking point that causes you to seek the Lord more sincerely? Oh. And that, when I read that, it hit so, like, close to home just because I feel like that's something a lot of people can relate to because I feel like everyone kind of gets to that point at some point in their life. And, like, reading it in the scenario that you were in just, like, blew my mind. Well, you know, and at first I thought, I'm young, I'm tough, I can get through mm-hmm. this, you know, this, they're not going to tell me what I can and can't do. We're going to get through this. And it was me, you know, I can do this. I can do this. Yeah. Well, then, you know, when you first get, you got everybody there, you know, when it first happens and stuff. Well, then when you put two kids, 25 and 23 years old, and after a few months, everybody's gone. Yeah. You know, like at first it was in the news and every, our family, you know, everybody's bringing food over and stuff. And that happened. Everybody was so, so supportive when drummer hurt. But then reality hits. Like and it's just you too. Yeah. And it's like your full-time caretaker, you know, mm-hmm. for somebody that's 25 years and your fiance and you know, it, it changes up. You, you see, um, you're not as tough as you think you are. Yeah. So it got to the point to where it was like, I just had it, you know, I was breaking down. I was like, I can't, I'm not this tough. And that's when it was like, God said, okay, now, you know, you aren't this tough, but I am. So, you know, you come to me and I'll handle this. And, yeah. and so I was, I was broke and it was like, he lifted me in that moment and it was a reality check. No, it's not me that's going to get through this. God's going to get absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I always say like the broken pieces when they're put back together, the, the little cracks that's left, that's what your light shines through. So the cracks that is very, is, very that's true. left in me, I, I feel like, you know, I can shine my light through those from learning through things No, like absolutely. That. Yeah. What, is there anything that you would say, like, especially when you were younger, like it, when everything first happened, like a lesson or um, maybe a character trait that you feel like you developed that kind of pushed you through? The the work ethic, you know, I was mm-hmm. raised with a good work ethic from family. Yes. And but there's no way, no matter how much work or hard headedness or or toughness can get you through something without faith. Yeah. I don't like something like this. And I think that's where if you do let go and let God come in, give him Absolutely the reins, agree. it's like He'll get you through this. Yeah. And you'll think there's no way. And I couldn't have got through it without God. Like, in the things he's put us, you know, like, got us through, it's, it's amazing looking back at the things we've come through. Oh, absolutely. we dealt with so much stuff after he got hurt. Like, back in the hospital, back and forth, you know, like, 
everything you can think of. You know, it was there would be some pressure sores or kidney stones or something. So it was always constant battle with something. Yeah. And then after a while, it was like, okay, God, here we go again. We, you know, just just handle this for us. And He always has come through for us. Always. No, absolutely. And I have to learn that. Like, you know, okay, this is well, that's like a constant thing to kind yes. of carry through in life yes. too. Yeah. yeah. So, because I know that now you actually, I think you quoted it as saying, um, you work for the other team now. Yeah, the bull side. <laughs> yes. So now you're uh, working for the, yeah. uh, almost the bad side, like in a sense. But at the same time, I know that that's been incredibly successful for y'all. So can you kind of talk about that and like what brought you to think that's the next step? And this is kind of funny because this set up before Joe ever got hurt. My dad was a stock contractor, yeah. like I was talking before, and I had uh, a set of cattle. I, um... I actually played sports in high school, and I was um, really good at track, believe that okay. or not. But then um, I played basketball, too, while I tore my ligament, my ACL ligament in basketball. Well, I couldn't play anymore, and they said back in the day, it was like, we can do surgery, but you'll never be as fast as you was. I'm like, well, then I'm not doing surgery. Yeah. You know? So I went and got a job at the local Pizza Hut. And I had all this tip money coming in. My dad's like, you you can buy some cows or something with that money. So I was blessed, oh, so blessed. Okay. My family had some land, and I bought some Crossbred cows. My dad that was had, a smart setup. Yeah, my dad, you know, helped yeah. a lot. My mom, they've always been very supportive. So I took one of my dad's old rodeo bulls and bred to my crossbred heifers and had these calves, my first set of calves this year. And at this point, me and Jerome were getting getting pretty tight. Yeah. And he had um he had some bucking bulls because you know this was before he was hurt. And okay. So he had some bucking bulls and they would have a little bull riding on Thursday nights and then he would get <laughs> on bulls for practice bulls. And his breeding program wasn't wasn't that great, I didn't think. So I was like, okay. You were doing better? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, <laughs> look, all right, let me help you out here. So for one Christmas, I said, look, I'm going to give you this first set of calves I got. So look, that cooking thing, out the window. Just give them some cows. You'll win them over. So I gave him my first set of crossbred calves, and they had the rodeo genetics in them. So before he ever got hurt, we kind of had us a breeding program back okay, in the day. Okay, yeah. But then after he got hurt, we had to get something for him to focus on, like, mm -hmm. you know, because he, it was still his passion. He still loved yeah. it. He just couldn't give up. You know, he's still a bull rider. Art, to this day, he's still a bull rider. Well, he, um, turned that into, we, we started putting on events. So we started putting on rodeos and PBR events of our own. No, we wait, was this them. back here in Texas or was this North in North Carolina? Carolina. Yes, okay. we were doing it in North Carolina. Well, then we started our breeding program, kept growing it, growing it, growing it. So we've had our breeding program for a long time. And every year we've added, like, he's got a good friend, HD Page, and he's got a, one of the best breeding programs, probably the best there is. And HD and him are good friends. So HD had let him use a bull to breed our okay. cows too. And so through the years, many, many years, this didn't happen overnight, we've got a, a really good breeding program we've been blessed with. But it's been a lot of hard work, too. So a lot Oh, of, I can only yeah, imagine. And what's kind of neat through that breeding program last night, the bull that was the high mark bull. Okay, that's night. what I just heard. Yeah, yes. was one that we raised there at the house. Yes. So. Okay, so can you kind of explain how that works? Because I was told you're just a, like, part owner in it now. Well, or we, how does that work, like, if someone owns a bull? We owned him straight out. We okay. owned all of him because we had raised him from a calf. And we had actually tried to sell half interest when he was when he was a two-year-old. We had him in our sale because we have a sale every year, and we sell half interest to calves, and we'll haul them. Okay. People don't want kind of like the racehorse business. If you want to own a bull but don't want the headache of them tearing everything okay. that you have up. So you <laughs> can kind of own, like, a percentage? You own a half of the bull okay. or a percentage, correct, yeah. whatever. And so then, like, we will actually haul the bulls to the vents. You get to come and watch your 
charitables. I mean, some of them compete for money. Some of them are just on TV. And so that's our business now. Well, when he was a two-year-old, he was in our two-year-old cell and nobody bought him. So we just had him and had him turned out in the pasture. And then when he was a three-year-old, we started bucking. And they were like, hey, this, this rascal's really good. You know, he got uh-huh. missed in the cell. Well, at the end of his three-year-old, he was really, you know, like showing out. And then started the uh-huh. four-year-old. Me and John put him on the road. We put 7,000 miles on our truck in one month, hauling him up and down the road. Just him alone? Just, no, well, we had the other like bulls, multiple. too. But okay. he was the one we were, the reason yeah. we were going so many miles. Because nothing's on the East Coast much, you know. All the PBRs yeah. are out here. There's a few on the East Coast. But we took him to Duluth, Georgia for his first event. And that's where Ooh. he got Jose Leamy. And he flipped Jose up in the air and did a flip and was like, everybody was like, wow. So we knew we had something. And that's when we put him on the road after that. Well, that's when we started getting phone calls about selling him. And we didn't really want to sell him because, you know, we had raised him. Yeah. And so Joan put a big price on him and was like, you know, I don't care to sell him. And they kept asking about him. Well, then, Drone, we were blessed here recently. Have you heard about the new PBR teams that's coming along? Okay, so I don't know the details of it, but I was told that that's going to be in November. That's the finals are in November. Okay, that's the finals in November. The reason they're having the finals now is so after the finals, then the team things will start. The very first team events in Cheyenne in July. Oh, okay. And then starts Kansas City the next weekend, and then every weekend. There's 10 events in almost a row. There's There's one time that there's a couple weeks off. But there's going to be 10 events. And so the PBR has come up with this concept. And it's really neat to bring some more people that can, you know, that are team related. You can actually okay. cheer for a team instead of just an individual bull rider. So Okay, so it's still bull riding, though. Still bull riding. Okay. Still the same thing, eight seconds and all that. Except before where you had one guy you cheered for, this time a guy's going to be on a team. How many people are on a team? There will be seven on a team. Okay. And that's where they've got um, the Austin Rattlers. There's two teams in Texas. Oh, wow. And um, No, no, no. Sorry. Sorry, Austin Gamblers. Sorry okay. about that. Austin Gamblers and the Texas Rattlers. That's um, ah. two of the teams that's from Texas. Then you got the Oklahoma Freedom, the Kansas City Outlaw, Missouri Thunder, um, Arizona Ridge Riders. And I know I'm forgetting one, but then there's the Carolina Cowboys. Oh, that's well, so cool. In, in North Carolina, like we are NASCAR country. And I think y'all have <laughs> got a race coming up here next week. Uh, we do. Yes. So, but in North Carolina, now, we are NASCAR country. Like it's that rules around North Carolina. Yeah. Well, they, to run this team is Richard Childers, the guy that was on the number three car at Dale Earnhardt's car. Okay. And now his grandson, Austin Dillon, is driving that number three car. Well, Richard's running the team. Austin Dillon is the general manager, and they've asked Jerome to be the coach for the team. Stop. That's yeah. so cool. So it's a whole other thing that's kind of happening. Okay, so it's kind of like a little merging and marriage of, like, yes, yes. The, like North and, Carolina. And so this is where it all gets, like, where God, you know, you see how yeah. God's hands come in things. Because, so we've hauled this bull, and we've getting all these points for him in the classic finals. Well, then they come up and say, hey, if you're a coach— you can't bring bulls to the events because that's a conflict of interest. And Joan's like, well, I don't flank them. My wife does because I'm the one that puts the flank on them and stuff yeah. like that. And they said, it doesn't matter. She's your wife. And I was like, are we going to have to get divorced over this or what? <laughs> <laughs> so they said, nope. You know, so that was going to put me out of a job pretty much. You know, yeah. that's what we did. Joan's going to have a job. But then there I was not having a job. Okay. So what's technically the job of a coach with so, when it comes to bulls? He will go on the the 
as for stock contractors, we raise the bulls. Yeah. We, we start them out very young, you know, teach them like the shoot procedures, use a buck and dummy and stuff with okay. them and, and kind of train them up so they get ready for the riders. And, and we got a whole feed program, exercise program. It's a lot to yeah. it. Well, now he's switching to the coach and the cowboys. So he's got to oh, focus so be coaching. Back. Okay. He's going to okay. be focused in the cowboys. And Jerome, like I was telling you earlier, is a really good bull rider. Yeah. And he's did a lot of schools. I don't know if you've heard tell of the guy, Dalen Swearinger. I've heard that name okay, sounds familiar. Dalen has actually come in the number one spot. And he's only 23 years old. Or oh, something. wow. So when Dalen was young, he came to Drum's school. Like, he came to it like three years or something like uh-huh. that. So Drum had always helped Dalen. So Drum's really good helping guys. So he's got he's got a, a thing there. that. So this is going to be a great opportunity for him to share that. But they're like, okay, you can't do both, though. Your coach or your uh, stock contractor. That's, that's and tough, this is kind of, Yeah, it was really tough. But at the same time, this is something great for Jerome to be able to do something. You know, these guys, he's so likable and he's so knowledgeable and this stuff. So it was like, all right. So when they said we couldn't haul the bulls, we had actually gone to Kansas City and took our bulls. No meaning of selling anything. And um, we just found out, you know, and I was like, I'm going to be out of a job. Right before we went to Kansas City, they had this big rollout market introducing the Carolina Cowboys at the Richard Childress Museum and their shop and stuff. They had all these kids. Well, Richard Childress and his uh, grandson, Austin Dillon, come up and they said, hey, we'd like to ask you to be assistant general manager of the team. So you know what that means. I'm Drum's boss now. (laughs) (laughs) How much does he love that? (laughs) So anyway, he was excited about it, but it gave me, I was like, okay, well, I've got to job again yeah well that same weekend that all this happens when we went to kansas city and they come to us about blue duck and they offered us an amount that the the good lord was like hey dummies don't don't be stupid here you know yeah and we're still like we we get to leave our name on him. We still get him back to breed with him. Oh, that's and, uh, the gentleman. I was curious about how that mm-hmm, would work. Yeah, so we'll so. still get him back to use and some and things like that. And um and they left us in um a little bit on the if what he wins this year. So it was all such a blessing. It was a really big blessing. But it's bittersweet because you yeah. know just seeing him with somebody else taking care of him and stuff. It, it, like, so. It's just like that issue of like letting go of yes, something. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not good so, at like, it. Like I made to. this video of it on my Facebook and it showed and Jerome was in the back seat. Was like taking a nap when I did this video driving home, and he uh-huh. woke up and said, "My gosh, Tiffany, you won't try to make people cry or what?" Like I got this sad. So I was like, "Well, that's how I feel right now." Okay. Are you a crier? <laughs> not really. See, and but I'm when not it comes really to either. My animals. Okay, different. that's how I am. Is like anytime I see videos of animals, like there was one. Like I don't know if you do TikTok or not, or if you at least no. know what it is. But there was this one, and it was this like little cow in a field that had been uh, abandoned in a like family ended up adopting it yeah and he got cancer and so his name was curly and You're they like me cry oh now. no and they literally <laughs> like they did this whole montage of like curly out with his herd right before he passed and i think i cried for a solid hour <laughs> I, me too i but would like be that animals way. are just like like a whole different thing any of movies that yes. is something about an animal people like it same but with the animal I yeah it. so like if you want to sit you go you'll watch my video on blue duck you'll probably okay. cry I, i'm not gonna do I that today him, like, though as we're leaving <laughs> he's like looking at the trailer like why well, i'm not getting on the trailer with you mom or whatever oh, see that just and hurts so then, my heart and already it's like, yeah so then i'm having to leave him and so it, it is 
I get thinking about it. I'll be sad here again. But yeah. the guy that bought him is a great stock contractor, Ford McCoy, and his partner, John Jacobson, the nicest man that you've ever met. They were the ones that actually bought him. So, like I said, this was another blessing from the Lord, mm-hmm. and he'll get to go into the classic finals. Oh, that's so We've good. We've got to go out tonight, walk and tile. So, I've still been Ooh. having to go to the pens. That's why I was a little bit late. No, you're the fine. Pens where they're keeping the bulls is like 45 minutes from here in Springtown. So, driving back and forth and then trying to get cleaned up after being dirty. Well, also, like traffic whenever yes, an event in yeah. town is not the best. So, and then we brought, so we brought him and actually. Blue Duck's dad, LaGrande, who we still own, made the final. So his dad's here. He'll okay, be Okay, so Sunday. y'all are set up. Yeah. I'm, ready for, I'm ready for this tonight. <laughs> I'm excited. Okay, so obviously you have the bulls, but, like, what's your heart in, like, other animals? Are y'all big, like, pet people or more just, like, farming? No, I guess, we, I love my animals like pets. Now, I've, I've had to cut back because we're not at home as much. But okay. We have border collies, and they're actually a breed. Do you have sheep then? Or no? no, because these are border collies. These are not your typical border collies. Okay. These are, they look like an Australian breed. Oh, okay, yeah. Kalen. Well, they're tough. It's like taking a Kalahula and a border, the brain of a border collie and mixing them. They're oh, tough wow. border collies. So that's what we used to gather our bulls. Oh, And they're okay. actually, they're like having five hands there. So when we go gather our bulls, we use these dogs. But I've made them them our pets. And so, yeah. And we so used do they to travel gather, on the road with you no, or no? No, We okay. just use them at home. Oh, no, don't need all that. <laughs> and then we used to get... I'd, when we'd gather our bulls, we'd do horseback a lot. So I'd used to use yeah. the horse a lot. But since Drum's got the dogs, he just takes his buggy out there that he yeah. drives around and him and dogs he'll tell the dogs to unload if you can open a gate for Jerome he's got the bulls by himself him and that his is dogs crazy. Yeah, so it's yeah. really neat he still stays very active even though he's paralyzed I have to give him a lot of credit for keeping this going like he he makes sure what events lines up what events we're going to then he does all the driving like 90% of the driving unless it's graveyard shift then that's when I have to come <laughs> in so he does all the driving and then like you know making sure where they're entered and stuff and I said I've got I'm his BFF I'm his bull feeder and flanker because <laughs> I get to do the fun stuff he gets to do all the hard stuff okay so tell me since I, I tried to do my like you know research but so flanking is whenever you're putting what the strap behind the bull okay or what that, are you putting? this is it's where something um, around the back of the bull it's a, a soft cotton rope I've okay. actually I've got one right over here with me because that's what I'm going to use on walking tall tonight I'll show it to you oh. it's a very soft cotton rope okay and what you do it's like where our belt goes around yeah. our waist that's where the flank strap goes and a lot of people, you know, still to this day, you wouldn't believe how many people ask, well, does that go around their personal parts? Or like, no. And then guys, yeah. you can relate. Like, guys, if something like you were tied up, would you want a buck? And they're like, no. Exactly. Yeah. You don't want that on any personal parts. Exactly. It's right where your belt would go. Yeah. And you don't want it that tight because if you do it too tight, the bull's not going to kick as hard. Okay. So you just want it there. And pretty much I kind of explain it like... It's like, you know, when a cat gets a piece of tape on this pile yes. and tries to flick it off? Well, that's what these bulls are doing. They're trying to kick. They feel that, and so they're trying to kick it off. So it okay. makes them kick higher So it's never, like, tight. No, no. You don't, See, and that's something tight, that's, like, good to, up. like, teach people because I know a lot of people have a different, like, perspective or think and, they know things. And I'm big on animal welfare yeah. to explain yeah. to people. Like, if they could just come and hang out with us and see how well these bulls are taking it. Yeah. I mean, we have chiropractors come out. Okay, have, I love those videos of yeah. seeing the chiropractors with the we, animals. We had them come out. We I have this laser that they use in the NFL and NHL, like, for soreness. I have this what? EMF machine, this, um, the, the loops that goes around them. It's a pulse electric 
electronic magnetic oh, thing yeah. that they get. They get treated so much, you know, better than us. And it's like, if people could just see, yeah. you know, I think they would see, wow, how these are treated like athletes. But when you're you're competing for money and you're doing all this stuff, you want them to feel great like athletes. Yeah, absolutely. We were, um, have you ever seen the movie Longest Ride? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, yeah. you've seen me then. That was me behind the shoots. Stop it. I know everybody thinks it was Pamela Anderson, but no, it was me. <laughs> So if you look at the very beginning, that's me behind the shoots. And those were all our bulls that they used for that movie. Nicholas Sparks is from North Carolina, so he likes to what? do his movies in North Carolina. Oh, my so gosh. I'm just do. literally sitting here with a living <laughs> legend. It's amazing. So when when all the Hollywood people come out for this movie, yeah. they come up to us after it was over, and they said, we want you to know that you made us fans of this. By the way, so it like changed their like, changed mind. their mind. They see how we treat Because when the bulls would be in the shoots, I'd be rubbing on them, brushing them. I was giving them baths so they'd look good on the big screen, you know. Yeah. So I'd be out there, like, hosing them off, getting them all shined up and stuff. I had baby wipes behind me. If they'd poop, I would wipe their butts off so they would look good <laughs> on, on the big screen. But they seen, you know, they, they they actually felt that when they were in the back pens, we prodded them and stuff and got oh, them yeah. mad, mean. They wanted to come in. See, that's mean. the I'm thing like, is I no. think it's important that a lot of people end up hearing about the, like, stereotypes and, like, little rumors and things like that. that know. Are, like, I mean, I feel like that's every kind of industry has those, yes. like, stories. But I do feel like that's something, especially in Texas, I know that, like, anytime there's been a rodeo event here, there's, you know, been, like, protesters or something. And I think that's such good knowledge to share with people and be like it's not what you think and i would love like i would be i would be a member of PETA if they were more educated i yeah. think if they were more educated on our end of it they would see mm-hmm. like how these animals are treated they're like family to us yeah absolutely. and you know like they're like well they should be in the wild well you don't you can't take a little poodle and turn it out on the streets you yeah. know these animals very different scenario these days athletes. they actually if when they and trust me they'll get out they come back <laughs> home they're like okay we're ready for our feed you they're know like, they're like wait a second yeah, they're like hey this is our home and they love what they're doing it's something if they don't like to buck they're not going to buck this yeah. is something that's spread in them you know like my husband always uses the border collie puppies. You can put them out on goats and they herd goats right away. Yeah. And a Labrador puppy goes and fetch, fetches stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's bred into them. Just like, you know, you have people. Some are football players and basketball players. Absolutely true. And I always say it's no different than you sending your kid to football camp and putting him through football camp or soccer camp. And they're out there in the heat and stuff. And then we're hauling our animals to events just like you haul your kids to sport events yeah. and let them compete and stuff. These animals love their jobs. They really do. There was a little yellow jacket years ago that won the world championship bull like three times in a row and when they retired him he would follow the trailer down the road wanting to be on the trailer yeah and if they would have the trailer in the pasture he would go load up on the trailer oh so it's you know it's a part of them like they they really do love it so well i've seen a lot of those videos where like at least especially with horses i haven't seen any personally with bulls but how they'll literally just they they don't have a halter on or anything they just load up on their own yeah that's that's how these bulls like they enjoy their job and they'll go and they'll prance around and stuff and (laughs) pile the ground and stuff like they show off if you'll know some of the bulls they like to make a victory lap when they throw their guy off stop i never even thought about it yeah you watch them they're proud of themselves oh my gosh i never thought about it i was just like (laughs) i thought they were always just like looking for the game (laughs) (laughs) some of them and all of them have different personalities like you learn some of them just want to be left alone just feed me and leave me alone some of them want you to scratch your back some of them Aww. you know are just and it's funny you kind of they're yeah. like people everything every one of them has their different well, personalities because they are like so huge too oh, it's yeah. like what's the average like weight of a bull um i would say around 1800 1700 average but then like we've got 
Lagrande, and yeah. I name him Lagrande because he's big. He's probably twenty one hundred pounds. Like he's huge. He's a monster. That is so crazy yeah. to think about. That yeah, and so, so I was out there today walking him around, you know, and I'm just like right behind him walking him around now. And somebody, and then when he'd want to like take a shortcut, uh-huh. I was just like, all right. And somebody laughed. I said, yeah, I work for him. He doesn't work for me. So he kind of he's just like a big puppy dog. Yeah. He, yes. 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 <laughs> Except you just can't put him in my lap. <laughs> I don't think you would want that. No, not at all. What else is there that I think you would like to share with people who maybe need a little bit more education about this industry? Uh, everybody's probably ready for me to shut up by now. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> um, just that that the hard work that the stock contractors do put in, yeah. it's too much work to do this if you didn't love to do it and the animals didn't love it. They We love our animals, so we're not going to put them in something that, you know, that would we'd feel like they don't want to be in you know they're abused in any way yeah and my main thing is this getting out the animal welfare about these animals are doing what they love to do let's just like a kid you might have a kid that wants to sit in the house all day but that would be torture to some kids to sit in oh, the house absolutely. all day you got some kids that want to go out and play baseball for it you yeah. know then then you could take in your kids and compete them in sports and you know that's how a stock contractor yeah are with our animals because trust me like i said if they didn't want to do it they wouldn't do it we, we can't make them bulls do something they don't want to do <laughs> well I just can't tell you how thankful I am to have you here today and just to get to know even this little small bit about you. I feel like we could obviously both sit here and talk for hours. Long time. Um, unfortunately, they're not letting us do that this time. So <laughs> We'll have part two. Yeah, I was like, we're just going to have to continue this into yeah. the next We could one. have a whole, um, like a, what is it, a series or yes. something like that. I know. Maybe we need to, like, play a game next time yeah. so we can get some, like, different topics, conversations. Ask them and what they want to know. Yeah, we're open books, yeah. right? So we'll. That's what I always say. I'm yep. like, I'm an open book. I'm open to anything. Yep. Just ask I was like, me. We can I'll talk you. about it all. You yeah. might not want to hear what I got to say, That's but we'll tell the so, truth. <laughs> so true. So true. I'm just very honored to be, like, in your presence and... I can't wait to kind of just now get to follow you and see what's next. Well, I think I need to follow you. Like I said, I've been heard all this pressure that you were this award winner podcast lady. I'm like, well, y'all are setting it's me just, up. It's know? just local. It's well, fine. Well, I can see how you're so good at this. You're so easy oh, to talk to. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So nice. I, but that's the thing is I think that's what same thing is what y'all do is being personable, getting to know each other and kind of getting that like dirt on people, not in a bad yeah. way, but just like. You can get to know someone and get in there and get the depth that you need to as long as you're genuine about it. And, you know, cowboys, like I grew up in the cowboy world. Yeah. You are what you are. It is what yeah. it is. It's your integrity is the number Amen. one thing, you know, about you. So, you know, that's how, and, and I feel very, very blessed to be a part of this lifestyle with the people that were around. I mean, how, my heroes have been these guys that I'm yeah. friends with now. So it's like, if you were, when I was little and you told me you're going to be friends with these guys one day, like I used to watch them on TV when I was little. It's like that full circle older. moment. It really is. Yeah. And so now to get to see the younger guys coming up and I get to hang out with them back there behind the shoots and, and love on the younger guys. And like, you know, so, and you were talking about working for the team, but what's neat about this is we can both be winners. Like tonight, yeah, we have absolutely. Mason Taylor, who's got our bull walk and tall. Okay. Walk and tall has only ever been ridden two times. And both of them was Mason Taylor. Stop. So, okay. And then say like, if he scores really good, 
we both win because we'll get a buckle, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. And so will Mason. So it's like, hey, me and him's already got a game Okay, so we're that. hoping Mason goes three for three then. And we're wanting him to score like in the 90 range okay. so that we can win. Like if he's a high score, we get a buckle. So it's like we're kind of working together, yeah. you know, like, and see, I'll always be a bull rider's wife. Yeah. So I can relate with these guys, you know, too. They, when I see these guys get hurt and stuff, it breaks my heart because I've been on oh, that side hard, of yeah. it too. So, you know, when we bring you know bulls firsthand. in, we want to have them where the guys can, and can win a lot of money on them and go home and feed their families. Cause like I said, I've been on that side of it. So we yeah. try to always make sure our bulls are good for the bull riders too. I love it. I just, I can't thank you enough. And I think this definitely needs to happen again. All right. I'm ready, I guess. So um, <laughs> where can people look you up or find you? What's the best way to keep in contact with you for everyone listening? Uh, you know, I'm not, I should probably do more social media. I, I just have it where anybody can follow me, Tiffany Davis. I'm the one in, with my husband's in the picture, <laughs> but my husband is Jerome Davis and he posts a lot of stuff on okay. Facebook and then he's got JeromeDavis.com. Oh, and so we okay. have events in North Carolina. So if anybody's ever out in North Carolina and wants to come to one of our events, it has a list of our events and the places where we're going to be. Oh, that's so And then cool. it tells some more, like they did um, yeti.com slash Jerome. They did a video and it tells our life and Wrangler's got a video out there. Oh, so that's you can so kind of cool. look up some I know. Of I was things. like, I see everyone over there at Wrangler with him. So oh, he's got a line. That's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. That's always <laughs> that's good. good. <laughs> so thank you so much again. Thank um, you, everyone, please make sure you tune in um, and definitely be checking out Tiffany Davis because she is someone you need to know. <laughs> and cheers. Thank <laughs> you.